You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. This episode celebrates Earth Day with conversations on innovative environmental policies and priorities at the state and local level. Up first, NYSAC's Legislative Director Ryan Gregoire is joined by Senator Michelle Hinchy to discuss appropriations in the state budget and other legislation that will have a significant impact on environmental protection and climate resiliency. Next up, you'll hear from NYSAC's Legislative and Policy Coordinator Alex Lamont. Joining her for a conversation on the county's Green New Deal is Ulster County Executive Pat Ryan. Thank you for joining us for this Earth Day edition of the County Conversations podcast. It is my pleasure to introduce our special guest this morning, State Senator and Environmental Protection Champion, Michelle Henchy. Thank you for joining us, Senator. Hello, thank you so much for having me. So uh, before we begin and get into it, can can you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what counties you represent in your district across uh, New York State and the State Senate? Absolutely. So I'm Michelle Hinchy, the state senator for the 46th district, which is a pretty large district. We span five counties. We include all of Montgomery and Greene counties and parts of Schenectady, Albany, and Ulster counties. And I'm really proud in this, uh, in this too, in the Senate, to be on a number of committees that are really uh, important to our fight against climate change and to protecting our environmental lands uh, and our environmental resources. Uh, I chair the Senate Agriculture and Food Committee, and I serve on the Environmental Conservation Committee, as well as the Cultural Affairs, Tourism, Parks, and Recreation Committee. And the Local Government Committee. So. And the Local Government, I've been on many committees, but never to be left out, the Local Government Committee. <laughs> So the senator is is very busy for our listeners on environmental wins, and certainly, you know, 2021 was another banner year for environmental policies and funding in the state budget. NISAC was thrilled to see one of our top environmental priorities, the zero emission vehicle rebate increase included in the enacted budget. You were the Senate sponsor of this legislation before it was included in the state budget. Can you describe the legislation for our audience and explain how uh, this will help local governments in meeting the state's climate goals? Yeah, so I was really proud to be the sponsor of this bill. Uh, For everyone listening, the bill increases state rebates to local governments for the purchase of clean energy vehicles to help them green their municipal fleets. Uh, And what's really great about it is key parts of this bill actually were included in the state budget this year. Uh, But we passed uh, the bill in March and it passed unanimously in the state Senate. So we knew already that there was a lot of support for this, which was great. Uh, Specifically in the budget, uh, it increases the eligibility rebate from a minimum of $750 to $2,500 and a maximum rebate of $5,000 to $7,500 to municipalities since they are ineligible for federal tax incentives. Uh, And really this is a move that will not only reduce climate destabilizing emissions, but save taxpayer dollars because electric electric vehicles are more energy efficient and cost significantly less to operate than gas powered vehicles. So we're really excited about this bill. Absolutely, and and for our county listeners, you know, this piece of legislation is critical in helping you to start converting over your fleet, your gas powered fleet, to electric vehicles. So we're, we're really happy to have partnered with Senator Hinchy on this. Um, it's a huge win for, for counties and for the state and most importantly for our environment. The, the state budget also continues record high funding levels for the state's many environmental grant programs. Can you highlight some of these appropriations, 
such as the CWIA, the EPF funding, and the authorization for a $3 billion bond act? Yes, so starting with the Bond Act, we were really excited to re-include uh, the Restore Mother Nature Bond Act uh, in the budget this year. It is uh, something that was supposed to be uh, on the ballot uh, last year, I believe, but was pulled because of COVID. And so knowing that we need to move forward uh, with not just hitting the goals in the CLCPA, but providing funding for our communities uh, to mitigate flood risk uh, and infrastructure, uh, this was really something that we knew we needed to push forward uh, in, in this budget. So it is a $3 billion bond act, which will be voted on, uh, which will be on the ballot for voting, uh, in 2022. It includes a billion dollars for restoration and flood risk reduction, $700 million for climate change mitigation, $550 million for water quality improvement and resilient infrastructure, and $550 million for open space land conservation and recreation. And the other great thing about this too is it's projected to create as many as 65,000 green jobs in the state, which is really exciting. Uh, the Clean Water Infrastructure Act, uh, if anybody's heard me talk, I talk a lot about clean water infrastructure uh, in our five counties, uh, but across the state in general and specifically upstate, you know, we have communities that have a structure that's up to 100 years old. You know, clean water is a human right and we need to be doing everything we can to get people clean water and we know that our municipalities struggle with this because the cost is so high. Uh, so what we did in the budget was include $500 million investment via the Clean Water Infrastructure Act to help local governments repair aging and crumbling water infrastructure. Uh, as I said, this is a vital investment uh, that we fought for to help ensure that we have clean and safe drinking water for all New Yorkers and will obviously help create a lot of jobs uh, in the process. We also have $300 million in the EPF, the Environmental Protection Fund, which includes $19 million for the Climate Change Mitigation and Adaptation Program, $151 million for open space programs, 90 million for parks and recreation and 40 million for solid waste programs, uh, which is great. And one thing I wanna brag about quickly is we were able for the first time to secure funding for the Catskills Park uh, in a really dedicated way. So uh, for the first time, the Catskills Park is on par with the Adirondacks uh, in the EPF for funding for overusage. Uh, we know that the Catskills Park has been found. Many people uh, through COVID, you know, on their way up from the city, it's the first big park they find. They found our hiking trails, they found our waterways. Uh, so we have a lot of overusage and now we are actually unlocking funds uh, to be able to really start to build up the infrastructure and protect the natural resources. And we were also able to secure $100,000 in targeted stewardship funding for the Catskills as well, which includes ecosystem research and park stewardship. So we're really excited about those. Yes, and, and for our listeners, I'm going to put a little plug in there for the Senator's District. If you haven't had a chance to, and, and this speaks to the importance of the Catskill Park, Dry Brook and the East Branch of the Delaware River, some great trout fishing. I was up there this weekend with my brother-in-law doing some fishing. So I encourage everyone, check out the Catskills. Um, it's, an, it's a really important investment that, that the state Senate and Senator Hinchy has been championing uh, in the state legislature. So, you know, there, there's a lot of money out there as the Senator just talked about for infrastructure investments, clean water investments uh, for our communities, certainly the ZEV rebate program. The Senate 
it is kind of at the forefront of trying to to move the state in this in in this direction of um, making investments in our environment. And in addition to all of these environmental policy wins, Senator, you also chair the Senate Agricultural Committee. And your district is one of the most rural districts in the Democratic Conference. There's over a thousand farms that play you know, a really vital role in feeding New Yorkers, preserving our environment and sustainable economy. Can you talk about the Farmland Protection Working Group created in the state budget and how it will help to both protect working farmland and encourage input from local governments in the renewable energy siting process? Absolutely, but to touch on uh, the first thing that you said too, uh, you know, there is a lot of money in this budget uh, for these types of uh, infrastructure projects and protecting our environment and open spaces. We wanna make it as easy as possible for local governments to do that. We know that there's uh, tremendous expense in a lot of these things. And so we made a concerted effort uh, to release funds that would help all of our governments and all of our uh, municipalities be able to operate in a way that uh, starts to move all of our communities even forward uh, more into the future, specifically with the goals and ideas of the CLCPA in mind. Uh, we're really uh, excited about the Farmland uh, Protection Working Group, uh, you know, as part of this year's budget. The governor proposed putting a task force together to create uniform assessment standards for renewable energy projects so that towns who don't want solar can't just pass a local law saying it's valued at three times what it should be. Uh, this task force was always going to bring together stakeholders from local governments and towns and villages to help determine what a fair formula would be. Uh, however, as chair of the Agriculture Committee, uh, and since many of these projects uh, and solar projects are being cited on prime farmland, we wanted to make sure that farms were really taken into account and that renewable energy projects built on prime farmland wouldn't necessarily be assessed in the same way that projects would be that are built on brownfields. So we helped push for the creation of the Farmland Protection Working Group, which is a group that will be comprised of a wide range of stakeholders from county agricultural and farmland protection boards to local municipal officials who will be included in the process alongside farm groups and the commissioner of ag and markets. Uh, you know, as we continue to move forward to uh, maximize our renewable energy opportunities, you know, we have to make sure that we're doing so in a way that also supports agriculture. We need to make sure that we uh, still have access to locally sourced healthy food and, and support our small and medium-sized farms who have been struggling. And I think through COVID, we saw how important it is to have access to locally sourced healthy foods and how important, uh, our, and how fragile, sorry, how fragile our supply chains are. Uh, so, we need to make sure that we're doing, uh, we're maximizing our renewable energy opportunities, but we're doing so in a way that has the least impact on agriculture and the environment. And so to do that, we need to make sure that we have input from both our farming community and our local governments uh, who should all be at the table and in the process in creating the assessment standards for citing major renewable energy facilities. Awesome, well, well, thank you, Senator. And I guess to conclude, you know, looking out ahead at the rest of the legislative session, what other environmental priorities do you and the conference have for uh, for the rest of the session until the you know until the middle of June when the legislature plans to to conclude the formal um, activity of passing bills? Yeah, thank you. You know, it's a it's a mad dash to the end of session in June now that uh, we've passed the budget. So we have a lot on deck. Uh, the first one that we're really excited about is the Soil Health and Climate Resiliency Act, which is a bill that I sponsor. It has incredible support from both our agriculture and environment communities. 
Uh, and it brings farmers really in as partners in the fight uh, against climate change, specifically in helping them improve soil health. So we know that healthy soil is foundational to sustaining agriculture, and it's also a critical element in addressing greenhouse gas emissions and climate change. So there's a lot that we could do. Uh, our agriculture is really a cornerstone of our fight in climate change. And I think the soil health bill will be a really big factor in helping uh, sequester carbon uh, and make sure that the health uh, of our soil is, is good. And we're using that in the best capacity we can uh, to make sure that we're um, moving forward in our climate goals. Uh, Another bill that I'm excited about is the Extended Producer Responsibility Act. This is uh, sponsored by Senator Kaminsky, uh, but I'm the prime sponsor on the bill. Uh, right now, under our current model, as you all know, the burden is really on municipalities to collect, transport, sort, and process packaging and paper product waste. Uh, the recycling costs are huge, uh, and it really puts our municipalities and local governments in a difficult situation of do you decide to raise taxes or do you limit the amount of materials uh, that you can accept from local residents? And as a time that we should be leaning into and expanding recycling, we have a solid waste problem. So we should be expanding recycling, and it shouldn't really come at the cost at, of taxpayers or of our local governments. So what the EPR uh, Act does is it requires packaging producers to pay for the recycling, effectively shifting the end of life responsibility for packaging and paper products from local governments to corporate producers. You know, we've all ordered something online that's small, that comes in a massive box that's filled with a bunch of plastic. Uh, you know, none of that is necessary, right? We want, we are now working to incentivize these producers to use less packaging and to be smart about the way that they do that and the way that they ship and the way that they sell products. So what's really exciting is this will help our communities uh, mitigate waste, save tax dollars, protect our land, air, and waterways, and make sure that we're really moving towards a more sustainable recycling program. Well, thank you so much, Senator. And, and for the listeners today, you know, that last piece of legislation that Senator Hinchy just touched on um, is a critical and top priority of NYSACs. We are, uh, the counties across the state are a supporter of this legislation. Uh, we're doing everything we can to support our Senate colleagues in getting the assembly to move on this bill. Um, and we're just excited to continue the partnership with Senator Hinchy. So thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank you. And thank you so much for really prioritizing uh, environmental stewardship and how we can work together with our local governments uh, to continue to push into a way that uh, we're protecting our, our lands and our waters and our air. We really, really appreciate the prioritization. It's such an important topic, and I look forward to working with you more on all the bills that will help us do that. Before we hear from County Executive Pat Ryan to talk about Ulster County's Green New Deal, here is a quick message from our sponsor, ChargePoint. Since 2007, ChargePoint has been creating the new fueling network to move people and goods on electricity. ChargePoint is committed to making it easy for businesses and drivers to go electric with a world-leading electric vehicle charging network and most complete set of charging solutions available. ChargePoint's cloud subscription platform and software-defined charging hardware is designed internally and includes options for every charging scenario, from home and multifamily to workplace, parking, hospitality, retail, and fleets. This Earth Day, NYSAC is recognizing the leadership role our counties play in addressing climate change and protecting the environment. 
We're very happy to be joined by the Ulster County Executive, Pat Ryan, to talk about the ambitious goals he has set as part of the county's ongoing efforts to combat climate change and achieve a Green New Deal. Thank you for joining us, County Executive. Yeah, thank you for having me. Good morning. Can you tell our audience a little bit about the first executive order you signed in June 2019 to commit the county to getting 100% of its building and fleet electricity from locally generated renewable energy sources by the year 2030? Sure. So think back, um, although it's hard to pre-COVID days, and uh, I had just taken office, I've been now serving for about two years, and the, I wanted to, uh, I campaigned on really the, the main thrust of my campaign was implementing a Green New Deal in the county, both um, protecting our environment and, and really boosting our economy and creating good paying jobs as we do it. So the very first executive order that I was very excited to sign um, was that, that uh, one that you mentioned, which um, really rapidly sped up our timeline to transition to renewables in terms of our county operations. The county is one of the biggest uh, uh, emitters of greenhouse gases and consumers of energy. So we really wanted to lead by example in setting these aggressive goals and then also calling for, for others, uh, other municipalities and the private sector and, and other residents um, to do the same. So one of the key investments we made to enable that, and we're now uh, over halfway to our goal of 100% of renewable um, in, and we still have nine years, nine years left to do the remaining uh, 50%. Um, but one of the main investments was uh, uh, building and we're now finalizing a second county uh, solar array, which is built on a former brownfield site and converting that into now another hub of um, solar and renewable energy generation in the county. So um, uh, that was a, a real honor and privilege to sign that as my first executive order as county executive. Very exciting. So you speaking of the, the renewable energy projects you're working on, this plan, um, this executive order rather, included the 2019 Climate Action Plan that really puts forth actions the county can work towards to achieving the goals you established by the executive order. Can you describe what exactly this initiative is and how you've continued to work towards achieving it amid the pandemic? Yes, and we have we have been making progress on our climate action plan uh, in the midst of one of the most challenging years in all of our lifetimes. And um, the the climate action plan is about a fifty page robust multi point plan to uh, comprehensively transition our county operation from our our um, energy consumption and buildings to our um, energy usage our um, uh, greenhouse gas emissions, our, our green fleet goals, and a whole bunch of other initiatives. Um, it's a comprehensive plan to, to get us uh, ultimately to, to fully renewable. Um, and that's really focused on our county operations itself. So it's a, a government operations climate action plan. And a huge amount of credit for that, really all the credit for that goes to our team. We were one of the first counties many years ago to create an actual department of the environment focused specifically on initiatives like climate action plans and lots of other um, you know, climate resiliency planning and, and um, uh, conservation, water uh, protection and so on. So in making that early decision as a county to build a full department that really serves as a facilitator for all of our other operations and a coordinator 
that really put us in a position to do things like a climate action plan, like our Green New Deal plan that we're, we're launching next week. Um, so all the credit goes to our, our great team that's doing that work. You talked about how the county is doing a lot of inward focused projects to make your operations greener. You also announced in your 2021 State of the County Address a very innovative, groundbreaking new initiative that would be a public partnership called the Ulster County Green Business Champions Program. And this would recognize businesses who are already climate leaders and put in place resources to support those that want to make their businesses greener. Can you describe this program and Ulster County's focus on its community and achieving its climate goals through community initiatives? Yeah, so the way I think about it is sort of three concentric circles were the county uh, started with ourselves and making sure we're doing the right things and leading. And then the next sort of ring out to achieve our countywide goals is our, our private sector, our business community, which accounts for about 20% of the greenhouse gas emissions in the, in the county, especially some of our large employers. Um, so the, the idea of the Green Business Champions Program is to, as you said, uh, recognize and give kudos to um, those that are doing the right things in terms of retrofitting their buildings for energy efficiency, purchasing or, or building renewable uh, generation um, and other critical um, uh, green initiatives. And then also to put in place um, money, uh, you know, through grants as well as um, advisory services from our staff to help businesses that want to do those things. So for example, one of our biggest employers is uh, Mohonk Mountain House, which is a beautiful tourist destination. They've made a huge investment in geothermal um, energy for, for most of their operation. And uh, we're, we're recognizing them as a champion. Bread alone, which makes great uh, bread products that everyone across New York and the region knows is based in Ulster County. And they're right now about to be the first fully net zero um, bakery in the country. And so we're helping them uh, to make those investments. Uh, and so we want to be championing and promoting those those great businesses that are doing right by the environment um, and also doing right by our economy. There is no doubt that Ulster County is a climate leader and we're very happy to recognize you as that. Something we talk about less often is how our climate leader counties are also economic leaders and you have made this connection um, between the COVID-19 pandemic and climate action, recognizing that climate action is really a central part of the county's plan to recover economically from the pandemic. Can you explain how being a climate leader is also strengthening your local economy? Yeah, so the way that we think about it is um, in, in building any economic development plan, you want to lean into your strengths and your natural advantages and being in uh, the, at the really the intersection of the Catskills and the Hudson River Valley, we have always uh, had our environment, our land, our, our air, and our water as um, uh, real advantages to our economy from when we were an agricultural economy to our tourism and agritourism economy and many other parts of our uh, what power the business community here. Um, so investing in that, those natural resources and preserving them boosts our, our tourism and agritourism economy, our agricultural economy. And then we're also gonna be making medium and long-term investments and bets really that as the whole country and the whole world move to a green economy, move to a clean energy economy away from a fossil fuel economy, we are gonna be leaders in that economically. So we've stood up our Green Careers Academy and a Green Careers Coalition where 
we're not only training our young people and our workers in these skills in clean building technologies and solar and other uh, wind and other uh, emerging um, green uh, skills, but we're also then linking them up with local and regional businesses who will guarantee them immediate work. So you're not only learning the skills, but you'll be able to immediately earn a good living um, for, for your family. Uh, so that I think that intersection of um, showing that everyone benefits, not just morally from protecting our environment, but economically, that is the big, that's the big uh, new idea of the Green New Deal. And the uh, actually earlier this week, um, we did a, a, another uh, pretty forward-leaning uh, innovative thing where we're the first county in the state to require um, good union jobs and prevailing wages and project labor agreements on all renewable projects that will be built in the county. Uh, New York State didn't take a major step in the last year and require that most many renewable projects over five megawatts require prevailing wage or project labor agreements. But we wanted to go a step further and working with our local labor partners um, announced this uh, executive order earlier this week so that we make sure that as we're building solar and wind and other projects, those dollars, those investments are staying in our local and regional economy, and they're making sure that families can earn a good living doing that work. Uh, many of our projects right now in this area are, are not by local um, builders, and they're not paying good living wages, and we, we want to uh, address that. And, and, and I urge you know, our uh, folks at, uh, up in Albany, I know, are looking at expanding that to all, all projects. That is, it's really exciting and it's a great example of how our counties are really laboratories of democracy who can work hand in hand with the state both to reach these CLCPA goals, the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act goals set by the state and recover from the pandemic. Congratulations, County Executive, on very exciting legislation. I want to end with a question. As other counties and local governments are looking ahead this Earth Day to setting their own climate goals and working towards them, what advice do you have for counties and other local governments that are working to achieve their own climate goals or set ambitious goals themselves? Um, well, number one, I, I just reiterate, I think, the urgency of doing it now. Um, and beginning the work or, or accelerating the work that's already ongoing. Some of the things that we've done well here, and many of these predate me, so credit to folks that came before me and, and my team. Um, but as I said earlier, creating um, a team or a department within your operation focused on climate and the environment, that was a huge advantage for us to really be able to properly resource. You know, as we used to say in my Army days, what what gets resourced gets done and what gets checked gets done. So when you have a team focused on this, yeah, it really becomes a priority for, for real implementation. So that's uh, one lesson learned. The other lesson learned that I would say is this has to be not just a government thing, but a whole of community uh, really effort that mobilizes everyone, that gives everyone a role to play. So a lot of the programs that we've been working on and that will roll out uh, next week, we're rolling out about a almost 50 point plan on a, a Green New Deal for the county. Many of the initiatives we really tailored to make clear that um, every resident, every business owner, every young person, that there's a specific thing or set of things that they can actually do right now. So for example, um, we're doing a, a, a solarized Ulster campaign where any household in the county can actually be part of signing themselves up to, to um, uh, consume solar energy rather than fossil fuel energy. And so 
anyone who wants to have that impact can immediately um, do that. You know, any worker, any individual who wants to be trained in some of these skills can sign up at our, our Green Careers Academy at no cost. So figuring out how to really involve everybody and not just make it, a, again, a government thing, but a, a community initiative that mobilizes, you know, the, the idea of a new deal, of course, harkens back to, um, to almost a century ago when we really mobilized the whole country. Everybody felt buy-in to that idea of we've come out of this incredibly difficult time. Then it was a depression. Now it's a pandemic. Let's give everybody a role to play in um, investing in our in our community and and also doing right by our environment. So um, those would be my two pieces of advice. And then the last thing I would just say is we're excited to collaborate with anybody. Other counties doing great work as well. I mean, we've learned so much from others and um, imitated or or even copied uh, some of their great ideas. So there, that's that's the highest form of flattery. And we'd be excited to share what we're doing and to hear other. Um, you know, other good ideas that others are experimenting with that, that we could possibly adapt here. So uh, please feel free to reach out and, and also check out our Green New Deal plan, which will roll out on Earth Day on, on April 22nd, coming up in a few days. Excellent. Well, that is very great advice, and we're really looking forward to seeing that Green New Deal plan. We encourage any counties that are interested in setting their own climate goals to contact Ulster County or to get involved with NYSEC's Climate Resiliency Committee. Happy Earth Day, everyone. Thank you again, County Executive. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of County Conversations. We hope that you will keep tuning in for new episodes each week that feature insightful conversations on current and topical information focused on county government. Until then, feel free to reach out to our staff if there are any topics that you would like to hear us discuss or join us as a guest to discuss on the podcast.